Hi everybody and welcome back to Building with Bluebird. Today we've got episode 15 for you and we'll be talking about common mistakes to avoid in the home building journey. It's a bit different today, we're uh, recording on a Sunday which is highly unusual for us but we've been struggling for time but we really want to be bringing these episodes out on a regular so we've decided and opted to do it on a Sunday morning. Put my overtime invoice in tomorrow morning. Yeah. Welcome to Building with Bluebird. The Design and Renovation Podcast, brought to you by Christian Case and Jeremy Thomason, directors of Bluebird Design and Build. Highlighting the do's and don'ts of renovating or building your dream home, this podcast will give you the insider's guide to the home building journey. As well as interviewing other industry specialists, Christian and Jeremy bring their knowledge and expertise to the table. For you, the people. Now, let's get into this episode. And if you enjoy, please like, share and subscribe. So... Today's episode is about common mistakes to avoid in the home building journey. We see it a fair bit in terms of speed bumps that happen throughout the build. We just want to try and avoid these as much as possible and also make it easier for you as a homeowner to um, avoid these issues. Yeah, and if you avoid these, it'll make everyone's life easier. Yeah. You as the client, the builder, any consultants you have, so... Yeah, and like you hear about a lot of horror stories of the the build or a building journey and then you actually hear the ins and outs and it's like a lot of those items could be avoided. So it shouldn't actually be a horror build. It's just avoiding common mistakes. Yeah. Some of the things that we talk about in today's episode, you probably have heard us talk about in different episodes if you've listened to those episodes, but we just wanted to sort of condense it all into one episode because this is... What we see. Um, yeah, so don't avoid all the other episodes. Like, yeah. try, go, back. go back and actually <laughs> listen to those as well. But this is a general overview of quite a few episodes we've done. So I think the first one in any building journey is your, your prelim process, which involves getting your drawings and your external consultants engaged with engineering, survey, building approval, all of those. Soil and tests. Soil tests, getting all of those correct in the right order, I guess. We like to get a concept plan together with a client and then price it so that you don't start in the construction phase of all construction design phase of drawings to find out that you can't afford it. So getting a concept plan together, then pricing it is the first step. From there, we normally get a surveyor. At the same time we're doing concepts, we've got surveyor out on site, getting the survey along with engaging the certifier from the get-go as well, so then they know exactly what you're going to be doing. Yeah, and I know a lot of people try to avoid these upfront costs in the early stages, which is just, in our opinion, the completely wrong way to go about saving money. They see like, you know, I've got to pay for a soil test, a surveyor, building design, yes, engineering, and they think they'll just kick that can down the road and then deal with it sort of, in the build contract and then also try to finance those costs. This is probably one of the biggest mistakes that we see. Yeah, it can add time, but also adds additional costs straight away. So if you've designed a home and then you find out from the certifier that you've got to make all these changes, you've got to go back into the design process. You've got to go back into the costing process with your builder. Yeah. The engineer might be involved because he has to change something structurally. So then you have to change the structural plans. Yeah, the the survey, you might have gone off council records and you you find out that the survey is different. Or your soil test has been done. But say we try to get a, um, when you get a borehole done for your soil, 
if you're going to put a pool in, you put one smack bang where you're going to be putting your pool. Yeah. So making sure that you've got all these sort of processes in place where you get your drawings done, your concepts, then you engage your engineer, your certifier, or at least pay them a deposit. So maybe don't go, if you want to save some costs, just engage them as a deposit to show that you're being serious about the project. And most guys will give you some sort of feedback. Some certifiers are actually breaking up their costs in terms of just providing preliminary feedback, which is great as well. It reduces your costs, but at least you're getting that advice from the get-go. Yeah. So the next step, I guess, from that is actually knowing what's on your drawings. Yeah. The amount of times that we start building a job and clients turn up and say, oh, I didn't know that was going there or (laughs) I don't like that or... Not that they don't like it, but they didn't understand that something's going there. Is crazy. And I think just it's probably a combination of people not being able to read drawings, which is fair enough. Like if you haven't, if you haven't been building in the building industry and been through a few builds, drawings are probably not so much hard to read as they are hard to understand. Just if or you, visually getting a spatial visually, understanding yeah, yeah. of how something's going to look is yeah. extremely hard. Yeah. So, but yeah. also people get to really excited. So yeah, they get excited about drawings and and get excited about the whole process, but they probably don't focus on the minute details. So where's your air conditioning points going to be and your vents and all these little things, but even knowing your finishes throughout your build, like the amount of times we've had people not understand what the finish is, even though it's listed and it's normally in the drawings. Yeah. And then we, we've got even like we provide samples of the, the finishes when we design just because we want people to see and feel and touch these products so you know exactly what you're getting. There's yeah. no, yeah, there's no hidden agenda. Yeah, or they just don't, people don't, I guess, don't understand it properly. So when you do get on site and they've seen something, they can get upset and they can get emotional about it. And I guess if you can avoid that by actually knowing exactly what is going to be in your drawings, where something's located, what it looks like, what's the color like. The 3D renders make that a lot easier now too. Yes. They're so realistic. Yeah. And we're actually, we're as a company getting VR headsets so you can sit down. We're not going to let you walk around in the office with <laughs> when, goggles when are on. we're getting those. I can't wait. So you can actually walk through your model and see exactly what the color is or where something is, where a light switch is, where the, which way the doors swing and yeah. all these little details that you probably won't know until you get on site. Yeah, I think the most important thing just in that sort of drawing area is ask questions. Yeah. If you don't understand something don't, or... Yeah, don't assume and don't be scared to ask your designer or your builder questions because if you don't understand something, that's the only way you're going to get get answers and make sure that you're happy with what's going on and the, the finishes and the design. And also knowing your drawings will stop variations. Yeah. like Or at least reduce them. Yeah, yeah. Because if you know exactly what's going on and can understand your drawings and where things are located, you can you can get on top of them in the, the design phase. Yeah. So not only are you going to understand your product, but you're also going to save yourself money and heartache. Yeah, well, yeah, as we keep banging on about in all our episodes, variations normally a product of not having understood those drawings and specifications. Yeah, sometimes like obviously you want to add a few things, which is fine. It's only like a PowerPoint or yeah. additional light switches or an additional downlight, but those sort of things... You can't really guess, I guess, until you're in the house and you start figuring out how you're going to use it, but you can avoid them by knowing exactly what's what's happening and what's on the drawings. 
And just, I guess, also when, when you are working through the drawings, thinking about how you're going to live in the house. Yeah, like, like where your bed's going to be positioned. Yeah, what do you need? How many charges do you need next to your bed for all your bits and pieces? Yeah. What are you charging next to your bed? Oh, I got my, <laughs> my watch, my phone, my iPad. You should leave that in a drawer somewhere. Well, yeah. the, the, the mental clear. Yeah. <laughs> and just other things too, like same thing, like in the kitchen, how many bench top? Char- yeah, how many appliances do you have? And appliances and... Where will your appliances sit in the kitchen? Yeah. It's probably a big one, like hiding toasters, it's, hiding yeah. coffee machines. It's all those little bits and pieces of how you live. I think that a lot of times people don't consider when they're doing their drawings. No. And uh, a lot of, I'm not saying all, but some designers, they don't think about that. They're just yeah. designing something for you, and but they haven't spoken to you about how you live your life. And yeah. do you sit down for a formal dining for dinner and those sort of things. So, yeah, figuring out how you're going to use the house is the best way to go. So from there, we've, you've obviously got your design, it's been priced, you've found a builder. So then the next one is knowing your contracts. This is, if not, or I think it's one of the most important things. It blows my mind how many people that we build for don't properly read their contract yeah. before they sign it. Like, you know, once it's all agreed upon within the contract and scope, we send our contract out for e-signatures so we don't sort of... It's all digital. Yeah, we don't always sit there with them and do an actual signing, but it blows my mind how many times people just just sign where they're supposed to sign. A lot of people do and are across it, but, yeah, you get a number of people that just sign a contract and these contracts are worth upwards of over $500,000. Like, they're a big investment, yeah. so... Knowing the terms and conditions, like, is, is, yeah, it's crazy. So, knowing your contracts inside and out will save you so much heartache and so many, like, re- reduce your stress levels. Like, cause you know, it's just, it's your form of rules. For it the is. Build, it's, it's for both it's the builder, builder and the homeowner. And you as the client, how you have to behave and what your obligations are under the contract throughout the build. Cause a lot of clients don't understand that they think that. This is the contract. The builder has to complete the build for the price and the specification. They don't understand that as the client, they actually also have obligations under the contract. Yes. Of what they have to do, when they have to pay money. When they um, have to present certain things. Yes. Yeah. Like if there's a bank involved providing like your proof of your loan and all these sort of things. So. Yeah. So it's definitely things that have to be done for both parties, the builder and the client. And you really need to read this properly and understand it. I know we always talk about this, but it is so important. Yeah, and sit, so sit down with your builder, like yeah. request it, like, or even get legal advice, get a lawyer. Like a lawyer's couple grand for to review it, I'm guessing it is. Probably wouldn't even, well, I don't think it would even be that. Yeah, so based off that, like if it's a couple grand and you're spending five, six hundred thousand dollars, like it's a very small investment to yeah. know exactly what you can and can't do along with what your builder can and can't do either. So understanding your payment terms, when things are due, when you have to pay, when they're going to be issuing invoices, what are the terms of the variations? Like the um, practical completion is probably a big one that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, practical completion is always one that is, I don't know, we try to explain it well prior of it all sort of happening, but clients are always a bit unsure and shocked of how the process works. And this is contract dependent too. The contracts we use basically we'll call a practical completion date once we're sort of getting close to that time. 
on this inspect on this date, yeah, we have to do an inspection with the client and go through, show that job's practically complete. And that means that it's not a hundred percent finished, but it's practically ready for Yeah, while well, you guys habitation. fix minor defects. So there's always a few things that'll be happening still, like you might have appliances be fixed fixed off or it might be a bit of silicon still happening or a few bits and pieces to clean. So at this meeting we're saying the home is practically complete. And we'll put that sort of set of defects together for you, that list together. And from here, we will sort of just proceed and get every all those defects done that we can. And then after that will be when we book a handover date, which is when we give you the keys and you're basically right to move in. It's a fun time. It's the fun time. But one thing about that is prior to handover, pretty much every build contract will say that you have to have your all your final accounts paid to the builder. Yeah. So there's no outstanding money. Well, just the one we, we use master builders and that's their term. So I don't know what other states are. I'm assuming that master builders is very similar throughout the states. Yeah. So yeah, basically you'll need to settle all your outstanding accounts with the builder with the contract we use. And then we will hand over the keys and you're right to move in. Same with if you move in early, there's all clauses about what's deemed as practical completion. Um, yeah. So that, yeah. If you take access to the property. Yeah. Prior to handover, yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's in the contract, obviously. So there's a lot and of especially like tracking your defects, like that's another contract term that a lot of people don't understand, and what's required for those completion of defects. Yeah, a lot of people seem to think that they, and this is again build contract dependent. But if there are small minor defects or whatever the defects are, a lot of people think that they can withhold money from the builder. Yeah. That's, again, with the contracts we use, that's not the case. Holding money out is not, is not okay. You can get in a bit of trouble for that. Yeah, it's not okay with the contract to withhold money as a means of getting defects fixed. Yeah, most guys are, are very good, so they'll come back and get them all fixed. But yeah, I guess if you're breaching contracts, it's not an ideal situation to yeah. create especially for both parties. So knowing your contract terms and conditions is just a great way of eliminating any issues. Yeah, just empowering yourself with that information and knowledge too so that you're prepared for it when it comes up during the build. So the other one, I guess, is understand your scope of works as well within the build. So you know your contract, but do you know the scope of works and what's included and excluded? Just because it's on a set of drawings doesn't mean that someone's actually priced it. Yeah, and this and don't is- assume. Yeah, when it comes to building, designing, don't ever assume you need to ask questions. And with your build contract, you should also have your builder's quote and their contract attached to the contract. So or at least, all, yeah, scope of work. Yeah, so it's all forms a full package. And it sh- you should have a typed out scope of works from the builder so that you can go through and itemize all the stuff that's being done. Are there things included like boundary fencing? Is there yeah, landscaping is a big one. Retaining walls included. Have they included the pool? Are there exclusions? And if it's not noted in the scope of works, particular item that you're hoping will be covered under the build quote, you need to ask and get that included in your scope. Of yeah, work. or just say, hey, I can't see that on the scope of works. Has it been included? So that's why a scope of works in a quote is so important. Yeah, it's great as well because there might be things in there that you don't want them to cover. Yeah. So Yeah, like have they allowed for building approval, like soil tests and all that sort of stuff. But hopefully you've got those done. Hopefully you've got the soil test ready. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. That you might they may have included things that you don't want and they may have not included things that you do want. So yeah. it's again just so important to read all the information. That's it. So then 
we've got a few little other points that I guess we've thought about as well is, and we see quite a bit, you've got to have sort of contingencies, not only finance contingencies, but also time contingencies. Things don't always go to plan on uh, with building as much as we try and normally is very, everything's normally up to date and arrives yeah. on time, but sometimes you do get a hiccup, especially the amount of rain we're having at the moment is causing so many issues. And especially with concrete issues at the moment, the amount of delays that you get. And the other thing too is if it's a custom build, this house hasn't been built before. So it's not like a project home where it's been yeah. built and replicated 50, 100, 200 times. It's the first time this design has been built. So, you know, there are going to be things that come up. Things won't go exactly to plan. So that will, it can impact cost, but it can also impact time. Yeah. So like, I guess if you're signing a build contract and it says it's going to take, just example, 50 weeks. Yeah. And you've got to rent somewhere or live somewhere else. Don't allow just 50 weeks to live out because guarantee it that 50 weeks could blow out. Yeah. Even two weeks, like, yeah. but you haven't allowed for that. So allowing an additional couple of weeks or, or at least have a chat to the real estate agent or whatever the situation is and just allowing a buffer from the get-go so that you're not stressed Yeah, and trying to move house while also trying to finish a, a build. Yeah, I would, yeah, I think like contingencies, both time and cost, you need to have a decent buffer in place. Like yes. Especially, so, especially time with what's happened. Yeah, given the industry. Of, yeah, like a lot of things that did go up in cost, if you're in a fixed price contract, the builder didn't really have a right to come to you for a variation, but time was another one that, that they could come to you with variations for extensions of time. Mm. So 5% wouldn't have been enough time, extra time buffer. Not No, the not in the last sort of 12, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. So, yeah, just making sure that you've got an allowance at your rental property if you need to extend. Can you extend for another month or two and yep. don't have the removalist book for that 50 weeks if that's the yeah. day that your build contract is due to finish? Oh, I just, you see it over and over and you hear about it and just it's so stressful for everybody. Yeah. So then also just, I guess, have a clear, open communication with your builder and just be mindful that obviously it's your home and they're stressed to get it done, but they're also, if they're a good person, stressed to get you in there. Like yeah. every builder wants to finish the build on time and reduce the amount of hiccups that happen on site, but they do happen. Yeah, and there's nothing worse as the builder trying to... Have that bad conversation. Trying to, well, not so much having the conversation, but if you've got a time constraint with the end of contract, you know the client is pushing you to get in and you're trying to push really hard to get things finished... That's when subbies are rushing around site. You know, if, if you don't have the time to get things finished to a high standard and there's a time pressure on everyone, that's when everyone starts rushing. You get work that's not exactly where it should be. Yeah. So you need to really be able to try, try and take that pressure off yourself but also the builder so that everyone has time to finish the job and do it to a high standard. Yeah, so it just comes back to communication and just, being open about it and having those hard conversations because it will happen. Yeah. But hopefully it doesn't if you follow these rules and no. listen to our previous <laughs> there'll, there'll podcast. There'll always be something, a custom build, nothing goes 100% to plan. No. So, yeah, it, it's just building in a nutshell, I guess, that as much as you can plan and prepare, sometimes things do go 
astray. And same with like if you're weather dependent on things, like these these holdups happen. So if your start of your build's delayed because of rain, then it pushes the whole finish out and yeah. pushes every trade back. So these things do have an issue. So that's why if you just have open communication, have a chat to your builder or whoever is involved and yeah, just be mindful that everybody's trying to get to the same journey at the end. So just trying to work together and be happy is probably the, makes it a lot easier. Be happy. Be happy. I like that message. Just be happy. (laughs) So hopefully we've given you some more of a condensed version of the last couple episodes and what to avoid. But yeah, if you can know your uh, contracts, know your drawings, just be well informed, I guess. And if you've got any questions, just ask them. Yeah. The more you know, the better. Yeah. Yeah. Read everything. Don't assume. Be well informed. I think that's a really good summary of just understanding everything. Be happy. Yeah, be happy. (laughs) (laughs) If you follow those steps, you will have a really good time. It's a recipe for success. It's a recipe for success. That's right. Yeah. Just onto it today. Yeah. (laughs) You're on fire. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Well, if you've got any topics you want us to cover, let us know, but we'll hopefully bring a lot more episodes to you. We won't, hopefully, we will. Yeah, we'll see it. Like, share, subscribe. Great. Well, we'll speak to you soon. All right. See you next time. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to Building a Bluebird. We hope you got some great information out of today's episode. If there are any questions or topics you want us to cover, or even if you want to be a guest on the podcast, please reach out via Instagram, which is bluebird underscore db, or head to our website, www.bluebirddb.com.au, and contact us through there. Make sure you also like, share and subscribe so you don't miss out on any exciting future episodes. All the information that has been discussed during this podcast is purely based off our own personal experiences and those experiences of our guests. The information, advice and opinions presented are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. We recommend you obtain professional advice in regard to any of the topics discussed during this podcast. 